Woo. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Commented Podcast where we talk about everything and anything. Movies, TV shows, what we eat for breakfast, the weather, stars. Have another one with stars. Um, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. And today we will be taking you down uh, the hmm, rabbit hole. <laughs> the interesting <laughs> experience that is the movie The Devil All the Time. The Devil All the Time is a 2020 American psychological thriller film based on the novel by uh, Donald Ray Pollock. I don't know why that doesn't surprise me. Uh, it's co-written and produced by it's co-written by Antonio Campus, produced by Jake Gyllenhaal and <laughs> Randall Buster. The film stars a very great ensemble cast of Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Cole, Jason Clark, Sebastian Stan, Haley Bennett, Liza Scallon, Mia Watts. What I don't know how to say her last name. <laughs> Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Um, it was released in theaters on September 11th. Uh, was digitally on Netflix on September 16th. The film received mixed reviews. Uh, it's 138 minutes. Who do we want to do overall feeling before we get through this? Yeah, sure. I I just want to say all my favorite white men are on here, <laughs> and it's phenomenal. Yeah. Tom Holland. We love you, King. <laughs> See, all That's... my favorite white men, especially Sebastian Stan, were in this movie, but I was highly disappointed at the end. So at <laughs> what cost did I get this gift? <laughs> uh, what about you, Mir? Um, I thought the movie was okay. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was odd, mm-hmm. but I'll explain why as we start talking about it. To add on to another thing, I I think these type of movies are not my type of movie because Netflix did a movie oh. like this um, maybe two or three years ago where they, was Stephen King is the author? They adapted another movie, I mean, another book into a movie, a horror book or whatever. And I think it was a Stephen King novel and it had kind of the same vibes as this movie. And I didn't mm-hmm. like that one that much either. So I just think this type of movie is just not my thing. Mm. I mean, I agree. I mean, I I thought it was okay. Very long though. I was yeah, kind was of. Very long. It was. I felt they should have cut it down. I was. That was a long watch time. So I, I, and it was just kind of like one of those movies that is just like eh, nothing feels rewarding after yeah. watching it. Yeah. So yeah. I was just like, that's exactly mm. how I felt too. The cast yeah. was great though. It was the cast just, was amazing. Get yeah, a 10 out of 10 for the great. cast. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I um y'all know I don't watch American films. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I recognize most of the faces in here and I was like, oh, this is everybody's favorite. That's exactly what um but I I don't know what I because I um unintentionally saw the trailer as an ad on YouTube and I was just like, okay, this is gonna be scary. And then the movie started. And it wasn't that scary. And I think I'm disappointed no. that it wasn't scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. So y'all are going to have to help me because this has a lot of information. Um, oh, before you start, can I just, parts. this just popped in my head. If, mm-hmm. Sorry to cut you off, but I just don't want to make this idea pop out. Y'all remember those like PBS 
like made for TV films that would be like six parts, like Anne of Green Gables and Little oh, House yeah, on the Prairie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This gives me those vibes, except 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see what you mean, especially mm-hmm. the way it was like narrated, kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, yeah. It's a very old style of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. With the narrations, but you Sorry, need the narrations because there's too many moving parts. <laughs> right. Just wanted to say that. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay, so the movie starts in 1945. We kind of start with Willard Russell, who just came back from um, World War II fighting, you know, in J- Jap- Japan or whatever. So we start off at his house in Knock'em Stiff, <laughs> Ohio. <laughs> Knock'em Stiff, Ohio. And he's at his house. His son, Arvin, who later becomes the main character, who is played by Tom Holland, um, takes him Ooh. out in the back and they go to pray. And so while they're praying, uh, dad has a flashback because obviously he has PTSD. Or some form of mild PTSD. It's not as severe. But anybody who came back from World War II probably has mental health issues because the government didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, they still don't, but you know, I imagine it was worse than, than it is now. I hope that it was worse than, than it is now. <laughs> I don't have a lot of people around me who are in the military. So they uh start praying. Dad has a flashback to when him and his friends his uh, comrades found a marine who was crucified to a cross they thought he was dead they go to check his dog tags he's alive and they end up shooting him so that kind of sticks with um the dad's character throughout the movie and so then we jump back in time to see willard who was originally from cold creek so these are the two places that we're going to go back and forth between cold creek and knock stiff Ohio. We are in the South. We are in the woods. <laughs> I was uncomfortable listening to everybody talk with a real Southern accent. <laughs> See, it's slightly <laughs> triggering for those of who are us who are black and who live in the South. Um, yes. Oh, not wow. everybody. Yeah, has I was that waiting accent. to hear that boy, the boy, <laughs> the boy thing. I was like, yeah, I Ooh. was. Um, glad that there were no black people in this film uh but not everybody who has that accent but the, the majority is very it's very triggered like for 138 minutes can y'all stop but anyway so he gets to this uh fictional i didn't know if mead was a fictional city uh mead where he stops he's on his way home uh he's this is also the time where people used to hitchhike a lot don't hitchhike i say that but we also use lift so (laughs) (laughs) but uh he stops at a town called mead where he goes to get a cup of coffee he stops at a diner he basically meets the love of his life at this diner she's this pretty redhead with freckles she's so cute um and while we're there we also get information that this other guy who was there named carl also meets his life named sandy and we come to find out they're going to be serial killers now why do we know that they're going to be serial killers? Because one is called Bait, Sandy. The other one is called the shooter, Carl. Um, do we see them killing anybody as of yet? Absolutely not, because this story is not about them. <laughs> so we get that information to just drop randomly off. We go back to Willard, who turns home to Cole Creek. Um, he's living with his 
mom and his brother or his mom's brother. I think it's his mom's brother, right? Uh, mm-hmm. His uncle, uh, he gives his uncle a, his gun from before as a gift. His mom was just like, um, there's this girl I want you to meet at church that I want you to, and uh, because, you know, she had prayed to God that if Willard came home safe, he would marry this girl who's lost her parents. Um, this poor, poor girl. Oh my God. Her name is Helen. <laughs> So, so they go to church, right? Honestly, this church scene more like a cult scene, but I, I digress. They <laughs> they go to church, and Roy Lafferty, who is played by I, who's played Lafferty? Roy Lafferty is played. By, he was in the old guard. He was in the old guard. I've only ever seen this man play a villain. That. Um. <laughs> But he comes out and starts doing the sermon, and him and his cousin doing the sermon, having his talk. You know, he's talking about how God, you know, you know, took out fear from him, and so he decides to pour a whole jar of spiders on him. As a former arachnophobe, and still hates the sight of spiders, I had to fast forward. I could not watch it. <laughs> He pours a thing of spiders on himself, and somehow this is very charming to Helen, who was also a church girl. So she, so they get married. So Helen and Roy, the preacher, get married. Willard gets married to the girl he met at the diner. Him and the girl who they met at the diner moved to Knockham Stiff in a house with no running water, where Willard decides to set up a prayer log in the backwoods of his house. Um, Helen and Roy get married they have a baby willard and the waitress charlotte willard and charlotte get married their son is named arvin helen and roy's daughter is named loretta lenora 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 so how do we go about this so because willard's family the russells the russells in knockham stiff are not kin to anybody arvin gets picked on a lot and so like most fathers of this time, uh, Willard basically says to his son, the next time they start a fight, you end it. That's something a lot of families of the South say. I don't know how y'all do it up north. Uh, <laughs> but so to show his son how to end it, there are these two poachers that are walking past Willard and Arvin while praying. And Basically, the poachers say rude comments about Willard's mother. And so Willard takes a good time. Willard takes Arvin into his car and their truck. They drive down to the the local dining spot, I guess. And he beats the living shit out of these two poachers. <laughs> and so he gets back in the car. And he tells his son that there's a, a whole bunch of bad people in this world. And, you know, this is how you deal with them. And so then we find out back in Coal Creek, uh, Helen drops off Lenora at Russell's mom's house because her and Roar are going to go out for a walk. They're going to go out for a walk. Now, this is after Roy has locked himself in a closet for a week. I think so. After getting bitten by a spider. And so he thought this was God testing him. So he locked himself 
listening for a sign of God. He finally gets his sign. Human Helen. He tells Helen, we need to go out for a walk. So they drop Lenore off at the Russell's house in Cold Creek. They go out for a walk. They go into the forest. They get underneath the prey, I guess. And Roy stabs her in the knife with a screwdriver. Stabs her in the knife. Stabs her in the neck with a screwdriver. Out of nowhere. Like, out of absolutely nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. He believes that God has told him that he has the power to bring people back from the dead. And he honestly believes this because he starts trying to bring her back from the dead, but she dies. Uh, She dies. He buries her body. They get in the car and they drive off. They drive off and Roy leaves his disabled cousin in the car on the side of the road and hitchhikes. Who does he get picked up by? Carl and Sandy are serial killers who like to take victims, pictures with their victims um, before killing them. Now, on this Wikipedia page, it says that Carl has necrophilia. I, I don't, I didn't, I guess it's a stage of necrophilia because they do take pictures with the dead bodies. Um, and so Roy gets shot by the serial killer couple and now we move 70 years in the future in 1997 um Arvid's mother Charlotte gets diagnosed with cancer she's on the verge of dying it's very bad cancer and Willard does not know how to uh deal with this grief he starts praying and praying and praying hoping that God will save her and because you know, God looks for sacrifices. He decides to sacrifice his dogs, his son's dog, as a sacrifice to God and crucifies the dog to the cross that he built in the back of the woods. That I dog skipped, scene was so sad. I yeah. skipped through it. I could yeah. not watch. I'm at the end of my menstruating cycle. I would have tears. I skipped the scene. <laughs> yeah. Also, I knew that this dad wasn't stable at all i was like what was coming next was just i was like oh this is not gonna end well because we knew the mom wasn't gonna make it but it's like oh gosh he's he he shouldn't be around the son the son is gonna be the brunt of all his anger right he needs help he was literally in a a y'all just sent them home expecting them to be okay yeah so of course charlotte dies of cancer anyway they bury her. Um, Arvin is very upset with his father. His father is thinking wants to take Arvin to his mom in uh, Cold Creek. Arvin goes back in the house because he doesn't want to be around his dad. He goes. He says to himself that after his dad leaves, he's going to go down to the cross and bury Jack. Give him a proper funeral. He goes down to the cross and finds his dad laying on the prologue with his wrist cut so he's committed suicide so now to wrap things up real quick arvin's parents who are in knock'em stiff ohio are both dead yeah on the same day and can also arvin never cries we don't see this little boy cry once honestly at this point in the movie i was like oh so arvin's gonna turn into a serial killer that's what this is Mm. that's what this movie's gonna be about (laughs) Mm -hmm. because not only does is he being raised by a father doesn't know how to you know process his emotions uh he witnesses his father's dead body and so i'm thinking that 
he's not gonna end up well. So, yeah. So Arvin, um, who was nine at the time, goes to his grandma in Coal Creek, who's also been raising Lenore for the past seven. So now Lenora and Arvin grew up together as stepbrother and stepsister in Cold Creek. Um, Lenora is being bullied by these fuckheads at their school for I don't know what reason. <laughs> yeah, they were just bullies for no reason. Like, literally for no reason. I honestly, when that first thing came up, I was, because this movie is so dark, I was expecting a rape scene to happen. I'm glad that didn't, Same. though. Yeah, I was literally expecting yeah. them to start sexually assaulting her, and thank God they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Arvin is down for the, you know, he is a ride of our brother. It's like, if y'all don't back the fuck up off my sister, he's ready to beat them up. Of course, he can't win three to one. Tom Holland is a small boy. <laughs> he's really small. <laughs> he's my a tiny small king. man. He's a tiny king. We love him. And so, uh, on his birthday, Arvin gets his father's pistol as a gift. Every day after school, Lenora goes to see her mother where she's buried because they found her body seven years when uh, in the woods. So she's buried at their local church and Lenora goes there every day after school to talk to her mom and visit them. And so this is a very, we're in a very godly place. We're in the South. This is the Bible Belt. I didn't realize Ohio was part of the Bible Belt, but they are. Um, And so uh, the preacher who is now old um, says that he's going to bring in his nephew to be the new preacher. So grandma gets ready for that. She's very nervous. You know, most grandmas are church ladies. So church is everything. That's their community. They prepare dishes. She They're not the richest people. So she prepares chicken livers. And this is where Robert Pattinson shows up <laughs> as the preacher. Uh, I was not prepared for that. <laughs> his accent really, like... It, it throws really me off so bad. <laughs> yeah, you know how he actually sounds. <laughs> exactly. It's it's so jarring. He did uh, a pretty decent job with the accent he though. Did. But he sticks his grubby fingers into this dish. On first sight, I was like, "Oh, you're gonna be a creep." That's what that is. <laughs> so, um, basically, he goes into this whole sermon about how he's going to sacrifice himself to eat these chicken livers made by the people that brought him and let everybody else eat the red meat and white meat. And he's obviously an asshole. (laughs) Just a terrible human being. A terrible human being. And so, while this is happening, I don't know if we get to this part of the story. Oh no, we'll keep going. And so, while we're still in Coal Creek, while they're still in high school, you know, Laura is still going to church every day after school to talk to her mom. And on one of these days, Arvin doesn't stay with her. Arvin usually stays with her, you know, because he's a big brother. He doesn't stay with her. Preston, who is Robert Patterson's character, the new preacher, um, basically preys on her, the innocence of Lenora and talks her into consensual sex with the minor. Because, uh, you know, he, you're supposed to show yourself wholly in front of God with no clothes on but in front of that man like at that moment i was just like oh wow pure trash the purest of the pure trash my my whole part my whole thought because i was still thinking that this is going to turn into arvin serial killer so i'm sitting here like oh you're arvin's first victim that's what that is (laughs) like that's your entire point your entire your entire being of being a character 
And so while uh while this first encounter, during this first encounter, Arvin goes and beats up all the people that uh beats up all the people that were bullying Lenora because he's an awesome big brother. And so now Lenora tells him that you don't have to come to with me after school every day to church. And so then we jump to Lenora talking to Preston, the reverend. And he starts going into this whole speech about how people have hallucinations when they've sinned. Just a bunch of bu- bullshit. Like, when I tell you he pulled that shit out of his ass? I... <laughs> he pulled that shit out of his ass. This is the definition of gaslighting. This scene should be it. <laughs> right? So he basically tells her, Lenora's bait. We don't know what they're talking about because he just starts talking about hallucinations. Then we come to find out that Lenora is pregnant and he's basically telling her that she's hallucinating and that the baby isn't his because Being everything the they were doing was in front of God. Oh, it's crazy. Just lies on lies on. Oh, God. <laughs> and then just he tells terrible. her that you should find a way to get baby. But it's not yours, so why do you care? <sighs> so Lenora is sick. Um, Arvin's away from home. I think he was working. Is that why he was away from home that one day? He was away from home. Mm-hmm. Lenora decides she's going to commit suicide. And this is the thing that kills me because she decides not to commit suicide. She's like, right. Grandma is not going to you know throw me away she's you know she's in a loving family but because she's standing on the box and already has a noose around her neck she trips and dies that was so sad because we know that she didn't mean to at that moment it was like oh god Ugh, ugh, ugh. anyway so then uh they marry lenora everybody's shocked um the preacher even goes up on the stand at church and talks about delusions and shit. Uh, then it's like a few weeks, I guess, after her death, or a few days after her death, the police come up to Arvin, who can't, he has to be, what, 18, 19? Yeah. But of course, this is the 50s, so even if you were a grown man, but he's graduated, he's working. The police come up to him, he's like, well, I didn't want to go tell your parents, your your grandmother. Because, you know, she's already sad. But uh, Lenora was pregnant. She was with baby. And he immediately jumps to the conclusion that it was the preacher. Right. Like, after that, I was kind of confused on how he made that conclusion. Because she, like, he knew that other boys were bullying her. Like, he knew who they were. And they've been doing that for longer than she even knew the preacher. So, I I don't know how he put two and two together like that. Yeah. I wish we would have saw more of him trying to figure out who the dad was. Because he yeah. immediately thought it was the preacher. He was right. like, you know, she didn't, he didn't even say a word for her at church. You know, they don't say words for people Did somebody suicide. come up to him and tell him that she has been, been spending a lot of time with the preacher? Because I feel like that happened. Who? Mm, I don't remember that. that. Hold on. I don't, I don't remember that. Right. Mm, maybe it was. I, but to me, it was like, oh, it's the preacher. And I was just like, but how do you know it's the preacher? <laughs> right. 
so but after he suspects it's the preacher he starts to follow the preacher now we don't realize that he's following the preacher they're just showing us scenes of the preacher meeting another girl who i thought was lenora at first but it's another girl who's underage you know and then we watch him um a scene of him at his house receiving fellatio from his wife and those things are so out of context until the next scene which is that's his wife i thought it was the girl the i did not know the scene in the house yeah the The scene in the car is the underage girl i thought the underage girl was at his house okay Mm -mm. Mm -mm. they were in the car no so basically arvin's been following him he's decided he's got to kill him because you know he basically pushed lenore to commit suicide i mean i'm down for it i'm still i'm still watching this movie believing arvin's gonna be a serial killer by the end of this yeah so they uh so arvin you know leaves a note for grandma talking about like i couldn't say bye to you he goes to the church and he real nervous he real nervous he's got his dad's gun he sits in the back pew and he's like well do you have time for a sinner and he goes into this whole monologue about how he's committed sin how he's committed sin of lust you know he calls his fake wife a whore he's basically saying all the shit the preacher's done yeah mm-hmm. narrating so, his life exactly. yeah he's like so basically <laughs> i know what you did because you're you know trash and he pulls out the gun and you know the preacher's just like you know calm down boy even then he's like talking about how she how lenora was delusional <laughs> like he was absolutely insane like this you could literally die <laughs> and you're gonna still not be- like apologize or like like fess up he was just like yeah she was she was delusional she just kept coming at me or my favorite line of arvin or she was just lonely yeah or she was just lonely and so also what's extra sad is like i think i don't know if you brought this up but the last thing lenore said to arvin was that she loved him right she did yeah she did she says that she loved him um it's just sad it's really sad lenore the death of women in this series but yeah but uh to continue um the preacher throws the bible at arvin like that was gonna do something (laughs) arvin shoots the gun in you know reaction kills him he's you know on the floor bleeding out he puts a few more caps in him um i like the the small realistic fact that bullets are hot so he when he goes to pick up the shells Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, shit, that's hot. And so then he runs. He runs, yeah. and this is when we start to see the other characters, the serial killer couple, um, who Sandy and Carl are the serial killer couple who take pictures with their victims. Uh, Sandy's brother is the sheriff of yeah. Knock 'em Stiff. Or and he knows what, what they're doing. Or he has an inkling of what they're doing. Yeah. Mm. But he's also a crooked cop who is taking bribes from powerful men in town. And then, and like so, at the same time, he's trying to do everything to make sure his image clean is clean for the next sheriff's election or whatever. Yeah, he's very worried about being elected into the next like head sheriff or deputy sheriff or some shit. And so he's checking up on his sister and making sure she's not doing some suspicious shit. Of course, she is. Um. Uh. 
But at first he came to her because there was rumors that she was prostituting, not that she was killing people. That's why he showed up. You know, that's bad for his image. And so the people who are paying him, you know, to get elected are these rich people. He goes and decides he's going to go kill them. Uh, <laughs> because if, you know, people find out about that, he definitely won't. So he goes to their house for Sunday morning. Or what? The uh, bodyguard offers him breakfast. He goes and gets the bodyguard's gun off the table, wraps it in a towel, shoots him in the back of the head. Goes upstairs, kills the boss. Um, while all this is happening, um, we watch Carl and Sandy get another victim who is a, a soldier who is getting ready to go off to war. They pitch him up as a hitchhiker. They take him into the woods. They're gonna, you know, this is their routine. Take him into the woods, saying we're stopping for lunch, saying we gotta pee. Um, they start taking pictures. So, uh, we come to realize that Sandy doesn't want to do this anymore. Sandy doesn't want to, uh, I don't think she wants to kill people anymore. She doesn't like the, she doesn't, she doesn't like hearing them scream or whatever. So we do get a scene of her in her apartment looking at the pictures fondly. Which was weird. The guys. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. Like, we'll get to why this movie doesn't work in a minute, but I'll continue. And so she's thinking about running. She doesn't want to be with Carl anymore. But, you know, Carl's a psychopath. So that's not easy. And so because Arvin is on the run, Arvin gets picked up by Carl and Sandy. Now, my boy Arvin is not a normal person. He already killed somebody. So yeah. he's kind of on the lookout. He's yeah, he strapped. He said, not today. <laughs> he said, not today, Satan. Because when Carl gets out the car, he sees the gun on his back. Uh, the gun um, under his jacket. He's like, oh shit, something ain't right. Something not looking fresh. So Carl goes out to pee. You know, Sandy's making small talk. Um, he basically, uh, Carl comes around. He's about to pull out his gun. Arvin kicks the door of the driver's seat, making Carl fall back, shoots him twice. Sandy fumbles for her gun. They are holding, they're out at a standoff. They both got guns. They're in the small car. And um, Sandy's just like, Sandy, there's even a part from the narration where Sandy was just like, what if I just kill Carl and run off with this young boy? I can make it work. But that didn't happen because uh, they both shoot they both pull the trigger, but um, Sandy's the only one who dies because Carl's a bitch-ass motherfucker who <laughs> replaced her gun with blanks. Replaced all her bullets with blanks, so even if she would have shot what she did, she did shoot. She did shoot Arvin, but it was blank, so Arvin lived. Arvin lives. Carl and Sandy are dead. Uh, so now Arvin's body count is up to three. Yeah, <laughs> it, that went up so fast. That took me by surprise towards the end. I was like, oh, He's a spree killer now. Like, right. right? Um, but Arvin's body count is up to three. Um, he tries to get all the evidence that he can while he uh leaves the crime scene of Arl and Sandy in the middle of the woods. So what does he do? Get back on the road to hitchhike. <laughs> <laughs> back to square one. Back to square one. So um the police a farmer finds the bodies, they call it in, 
uh, Sandy's older brother, the hell is his name, Lee, Lee uh, comes to the crime scene. He's just like, he's like, Sandy was fucked up, but he blames Carl for her being even more fucked up. What is the first thing he does? He goes to Sandy's apartment, finds all the pictures of them posing with the dead bodies and burns them. He burns them. And so he's going to go look for his killer because he's upset because his little sister died. And so they get a call um, from a county over in Knockamstiff that says, you know, there was a dude who was shot here with a nine millimeter, a preacher. And we think it might have been the Russell's boy. And the Russell's boy used to live in Knockamstiff, which just happens to be your county. You should go look for him. Um, or y'all should be on the lookout for him. We don't think he's dangerous. We just think because um, the preacher wasn't a good person. So, you know, maybe just be on the lookout for him. Of course. Arvin returns to knock him stiff to his old house. Unfortunately, the house has been burned down, but the prayer log is still there. He finds Jack's bones and he begins to bury him when he hears footsteps. I don't know when Arvin decided he was going to be, uh, you know, somebody who seemed like they've been trained in the military <laughs> to hear footsteps and shit. But he hears footsteps and it's Lee. Um, who's come with a shotgun by himself to look for Arvin. Now, I don't understand why he was trying to kill Arvin. Because... Right. <laughs> I uh, think that he was trying to kill Arvin because Arvin knows what his sister and brother and her... His sister and her husband were doing. Okay. And therefore okay. would ruin his chances of... At the election. Okay. Alright. So they have this little standoff in the woods. Um... <laughs> This scene was odd. He's like, I'm not trying to hurt you. As he has a sh- shotgun in his hand, I was like, right. I was like sir, if you want to do some damage, you'll do some damage with a shotgun. No, and the funny I'm thing is, he says that after he shoots the bird, yeah. the bird that scared him, he was and like, then too, why did you use? Why did you bring a shotgun? That's like the slowest type of gun, to my knowledge. Like nobody was thinking. Kill, yeah, mm-hmm. nobody was thinking. And, and also, I guess maybe if he uses he- a shotgun, likely trace back to him if he uses a police ready weapon. Mm-hmm. And because also everybody just... has shotguns in the south. Oh, true. But also, this is like the 50s, right? Yes. Yeah. I was like, I was like, how did they figure out who this boy, how this boy is connected to, st- I mean, I get it's a small town, mm-hmm. but from what I've watched from like older, like crime documentaries, that mm-hmm. crime back then, it was a slow thing. Like they didn't find out in one day right. who did stuff. You know? Yeah. I guess so I was like, how his family a- was ready and willing to tell the cops that he has a 9mm gun with him. So, so yeah, they, so just- they were in the... Well, the other half of the movie is in 65. So Also, um, the movie, like, it started off with making a point about how everyone was connected. If it was mm-hmm. randomly, mm-hmm. like... You know, like if Willard's dad had never gone to that bar, not that bar, the diner, seen the girl, the other, like it was a, because everyone somehow had been connected to each other, was why I think they figured it out so quick. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So um, they reached the point, the high point of the standoff. Lee shoots the shotgun, it hits the tree. Arvin shoots his 9mm, it hits Lee in the stomach. And he. Pulls out the picture of, um, because Arvin stole two uh, camera rolls from the car while he was leaving the scene. And between the time that he stole those pictures 
And the time that he got to knock him stiff, he had them processed, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so he had a picture of his of Sandy with a dead body. And he shows it to Lee as Lee is bleeding out in the forest. And um, he's like, I did it out of self-defense. They were trying to kill me. And so Arvin stays with Lee while he bleeds out. He buries Jack, buries the gun and buries Jack um, bones and then decides to hitchhike again <laughs> with a hippie. Who's going to Cincinnati? And I honestly thought this was going to be another serial killer, and Arvin was just going to like I literally thought that was going to be the end of it. Um. So yeah, and then the movie ends. Yeah. Were any of y'all rooting for Tom Holland or no? I was. Me and rooting like, like just hoping that he wouldn't get shot or he could, like even though his uh, body count was getting higher, yeah, still being like. Okay, baby. Yeah. By the time he killed the third person, I was like, okay, well, you can't kill him off now. Like, right. yeah. for this um, crooked. Um... Again, I thought this was going to be a movie about how Tom Holland was a serial killer. So I was yeah. just like, oh, this is just, we're just beginning. <laughs> yeah. I was literally talking to my screen, like, it's okay. You got it. You can... <laughs> it's all right. We'll figure this out. <laughs> I thought the. The movie was interesting because mm-hmm. before I found out it was based off a book, I was like, this is kind of written like a book. I was yeah. like, so first, it's like, you know, like first chapter, this point of view, second chapter, these other characters, third. And then I was like, oh, it is based off a book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes more sense. But um, I don't know about y'all, but after Arvin killed the pastor, my interest dipped. I oh. literally mm-hmm. did not care about the last 30 minutes. Because I was like, okay, he killed the pastor. What what can happen now? Like, there's all that was important. Because here's the thing: after somebody, a character who's good kills somebody, there's supposed to be some kind of character change. But instead, he just goes off to kill three more people. Like, (laughs) yeah, like there's no shift in his character. There's no shift in the force of the story. It's like killed the preacher, killed the serial killers, he killed the bad sheriff. I mean, he got rid of all the bad people. He did. And that's why I was rooting for him so much. I was like, it's okay, King. You yeah, can keep going. We're all rooting for you. Y'all think um, cause Tom Holland is, I think, my age or like a year older. Yeah, you think he was doing this movie this. like, y'all used to live like this back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I was accent. like, that's true. And then also the fact that like I'm so used to seeing him in like Spider-Man and like like in his element type stuff Mm -hmm. and so i was like "Ooh, look at him being an adult smoking cigarettes (laughs) drinking alcohol for him to have this kind of role because i think then in the future he'll get more serious roles like you Mm -hmm. know how some i don't know what the actual term for this is but there will be a big role for a movie coming out and so actors will go do other projects to try to show that they're good enough for this role like for example I think mm-hmm. for um, was it James Bond? For James Bond, Tom Hiddleston went and did this whole spy series because he was trying for that role. So I mm. kind of low key feel like maybe Tom did this because like there's some role we don't know about for some big movie soon Ooh. that's more serious, and he's trying to be like, "Yo, I don't, I'm not just Spider Man. Like I could act serious." So oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's like he a... did really well. Yeah, yeah, he did. Really well. Whenever he was scared, I was like, oh, no, poor baby. Let me come hug you. 
like i just i tom holland like even though he kind of fits i i can't still it's kind of like a weird thing like when my brain registers that it's tom holland i'm like this is a strange environment for environment for him to be in but then he does he commits to the role so well so i'm like okay he's pulling it off mm-hmm. yeah it was just I'm- interesting that they were able to get all these people in one movie but here's my problem. It should have been two movies. It should have been a movie about Sandy and Carl and then a movie about Art. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't like... I mean, it worked, kind of, but the last 30 minutes feels so much wasted. Like, I would have rather loved to follow Arvin more closely about how True. he's dealing with the fact that he just shot somebody in a church mm-hmm. than watch him go kill three other people. Arvin needs therapy. Intense yes. therapy. <laughs> and also, do we know who the narrator is? No, no, they don't I say. don't. No. At first, I thought it was Arvin when he got older. Public. Yeah, that's it's what I thought public. too. Mm-hmm. It's Donald Republic. It's the guy who wrote oh, so the book. It's... Okay, so the author. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh huh. Oh, okay. uh, I give the movie like a seven. Me too. That's what I gave it. Seven yeah, out of ten. seven, seven point yeah, five. It's a good movie. It's just once again, this is not like my type of movie at all. The oh. trailer made it seem a lot more creepy, though. Right? I was y'all don't yeah. understand. Like I was expecting some wild, wild stuff. Yeah. The whole, and then it was like not until the end did it really get that bad. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah, I said, I, thought- I went into this movie expecting Tom Holland to show become a serial killer. <laughs> See, I mm-hmm. didn't think he was going to be a serial killer. I thought it was going to be more of that horror movie that has to do with Christianity or Me like too. religion, because yeah. that's what it, they made it seem like. That's Especially like I a thought. lot of the stuff with like in the beginning with him praying all the time. I was like, oh, so like the devil's going to come or something like that. But True. they never did that. So, like, I thought somebody was going to get possessed and all this yeah. other stuff. <laughs> that would have been a good movie. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, I don't know if I recommend the movie. If you got time to watch it, watch it. I just uh, think it's pretty long. Like it's a lot to yeah, say. Watch this movie. two and a half hour movie, and it's okay. Um, I mean, yeah. it has mixed reviews for a reason too. So yeah, it mm-hmm. definitely has mixed reviews for a reason. Uh, I think that's it. If you want to tell us your thoughts about Devil All the Time, you can find us on Twitter at c o m m n t d. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Mia. And I'm Decoria. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.